0: Welcome to the 2nd Students North podcast. My name is Dylan and we're kicking off a series called Christian Atheist. This series focuses on those who claim to be Christians, but their lives and their actions don't reflect that to be true. This week, Jay Gray talks to us about those who believe in God, but don't truly know Him. Our prayer is that God would speak to you through this podcast no matter where you're at in your faith. We hope that you enjoy week one of Christian Atheist. So tonight we're starting a brand new, New series, and I'm really excited about this series. Uh, not because, um, not because of some reasons that I'm excited about other series, uh, like some of them, they're just really uh, fun and exciting and stuff like that. Here's why I'm excited about this one because I think this one is going to be really meaningful and impactful. Now, all of them I feel like are, but this is kind of a different uh angle than what we've taken on a lot of things, and so. Um, So, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you guys all to hang with us each week during this series uh, called Christian Atheist. Christian Atheist. Now, in America, you may not know this, but in America, about three out of every four people say that they believe in God. And out of those, about seven out of ten people would say that Jesus... The real man Jesus, who lived about 2,000 years ago, and I, I realize there's a couple people in this room who you might say, you know what, uh, you know, I'm not a Christian, I'm just an atheist, I understand that. If that's you today, uh, then we're glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to be talking probably to some other people tonight, uh, but I think there's still something for you, um, so just, just hang with us. But uh, 7 out of 10 people of those people would say that Jesus... A real man who lived in history, there's no real debate uh, in any circles on whether Jesus lived. Uh, People who say he didn't just haven't actually looked at anything. Even atheists still know uh, most uh, that are intelligent and actually study know that he he existed. But people would say, 7 out of 10 would say that Jesus was actually the Son of God. 7 out of 10 of those people, the 75% that say they believe in God, would also say that Jesus really was the Son of God. Now how many of you... When you look, you know, we're going to say with 7 out of 10, but how many of you guys would say that 7 out of 10 people you know live a life that genuinely day in and day out actually reflects the teachings of Jesus? 7 out of 10 people. How many of you guys say 7 out of 10 people I know live like Jesus? Raise your hand. A couple of you. All right. All right, a couple of you actually raise your hand. I'm really surprised about that. The seven out of ten people that you know, that you've seen in your life, you, you'd say actually live like Jesus. That's okay. I'm glad that you've got great people around you. So that's, that's awesome, that's amazing. Or maybe you say, I just stay home all day and I live for Jesus, so we're good. Um, you know, I don't know what that is, but, but here's the reality. Most of us would say that when we look at the life of people around us, when you look at the life of people in your school, when you look at, if you ever watch television, if you ever listen to the radio, if you ever go out in public, most of us would say that there's no way that seven out of 10 or even five out of 10 or even three out of 10 People actually live day in and day out the teachings of Jesus. Now you might say my my people around me, the people I spend time with, that's a different story. But when we look at it, there's a problem and because so many people live as though God didn't exist at all. Three out of every four people say that God is real, that there is God. They might not say, like, the God of the Bible, but they say God is here. You know, obviously this world couldn't be here if there wasn't a God, so they believe God exists. But seven out of ten of those would say that Jesus actually was the Son of God, which means they have some kind of picture of what the Bible says about Jesus, but don't live as though God existed at all. So the, the term Christian atheist, as, li- as we look at this, the term Christian atheist for these next couple of weeks, I want to kind of define that term. The idea is that it's a person who believes in God, somebody who would call themselves a Christian. They would say, Yeah, I'm a Christian. If you said, Are you a Christian? they would say, Yes, I am a Christian. Somebody who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. Anyone know somebody like that? They would call themselves a Christian but they live as though somebody doesn't exist. Don't point fingers. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, yeah, this guy right here. No, like some, every one of us would probably say we know people like that. And honestly, if we're honest, you can put your hands down. Honestly, I think a lot of us would say, you know what, at times I do that. At times I even do that. Every one of us in this room would have to be honest and say that even if you say I'm not one of these and we're going to define this a little bit more as we unpack this, you might even still say, you know what, if I'm honest, there are times that I do that. There's not one person in this room that gets it right all of the time. So Paul, I want to give you the context for this tonight as we start out. Paul is writing to Titus. This is kind of one of the main passages that we're going to see in all these weeks. He's writing to Titus, talking about rebellious people, full of meaningless talk. That's what he talks about. Titus 1.16, it says this. Paul is writing, he said, They claim to know God. It's talking about people who claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now, that's pretty harsh. You might say, that is pretty harsh. That they are detestable. That they are detestable, they're disobedient, and unfit for any Good work. He said, here's the problem. There are people who claim to know God, but by the way they live, they completely deny that they know God. They completely deny that God even exists. So today, we're going to talk about people who believe in God, but don't actually know Him. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, people who believe in God, but don't fear Him. The next week, people that don't want to go overboard. The next week, people that don't trust Him. We believe in God, but I don't want to do this. I believe in God, but I believe in God, but I believe in God, and then it stops at a certain point. Now I want to talk tonight about, like I said, about believing in God but not knowing Him. Now think about it this way, when I was, when I was growing up, uh, I always you know, thought that there was probably somebody that I was going to marry at some point, but here's the thing, in my mind I believed that there was somebody out there, but I didn't know who she was. I didn't know my wife, now I've been married for over 15 years. Over 15 years. I'm really excited that I've been married for over 15 years, but before this time, before I met my wife, I believed she was there, but I didn't know who she was, and now that I've been married for 15 years, I, I got to meet her when I was in college. My first week on campus in college in Oklahoma, I met my wife there. I didn't start. We didn't start dating for a while. She was actually dating some other loser uh, at the time, and and, uh, and we started dating later, but I didn't know my wife. And then even once I started, uh, once I met her, I didn't really spend time with her. I didn't know her really intimately or anything. But now that we've been married 15 years, I know her intimately. There's still a lot for me to learn, but here's the thing. I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. I know what restaurants she likes. I know the places she likes to go. I know, uh, for the most part, the clothes she likes to wear. I shop uh, for presents and stuff for her, and most of the time I get it right. Sometimes I mess up, but like I like the I know some of those things. You want to know one of the things? Eight years into our marriage, we had like arguments and fights about different things, but one of them we always had was dishes. I hate doing the dishes. Anybody hate doing the dishes? Raise your hand if that's you. All right. Now let me ask another question. How many of you? say I would rather do the dishes than put the dishes away. How many of you guys would rather do dishes than put them away once they're clean? Exactly, so you're on the same boat as me, well most of you, okay. Here's the thing, my wife hates putting away dishes. I hate doing dishes, but here's what would happen. The dishes would pile up because I didn't want to do the dishes. And from her end, the dishes would pile up because she didn't want to unload the dishwasher. There was a day, eight years into our marriage, that she said, I, I, "There was like dishes everywhere. I mean, they're spilling out on the counter. It's just gross. And, and I go, babe, will you please do the dishes? I, I can't do it. I just can't, I, I, I cannot do this. And she goes, she goes, I will do it. Will you please just unload the dishwasher? Just do that. If you'll just do that, I will do the dishes. And I go, are you serious right now? And she goes, yeah. I hate unloading the dishwasher. And I was like, are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah, that's why we always, that's why I never do dishes, because the di- I don't want to unload the dishwasher. And I was like, I don't want to do the dishes because I don't like doing the dishes. I would love to touch these clean dishes and put them away. I'd be happy to do that. I don't want to touch the nasty stuff that everybody's put their mouth on. That's so gross to me. I hate doing dishes. So eight years into our marriage, I found out that the reason she didn't like doing the dishes because she didn't want to unload the dishwasher. She found out the reason I didn't like to do it was because I was just grossed out by it. So here's the deal. Eight years later, I'm still learning new things about her. 15 years later, I'm still learning new things about her because I know her intimately, but there's still more to know about her. And it's my job to get to know her because I'm in relationship with her. When I walk into a room, there could be a thousand women. I know which one's my wife. I could hear the voice of so many women in a room uh, because it's always women talking. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not true. I could hear the voice of a lot of women. And Here's the thing. I could pick out the voice of my wife in a room. In a crowd of people, I can pick out her voice. I know, what, I know the way she thinks. I know what her voice sounds like. I even know the way she smells. She doesn't even wear perfume, but I, I, I know, like, and, and she smells good, okay? I'm not saying, like, bad smell, all right? But, like, I, I know those things. I know details. You know, I know things about her face that other people probably would never know about her face because I've studied my wife. I love her, I want to know everything about her, I want to know more about her than anybody else on the face of this planet, because I love my wife, and that doesn't change just because I've been in a relationship with her for 15 years, so there's three categories that we're going to talk about tonight, and here's the thing, unless you say, you know what, I'm completely an atheist, um, and I'm against God, and again, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, then every one of us that would call ourselves a Christian, which is going to be most of us in this room, that if somebody said, are you a Christian, you're going to say yes. Most people in this room would probably say yes. There's three categories, and every one of you are going to fit, every one of us are going to fit into one of these categories. So I want you to ask yourself a question. I want you to say, where am I on these categories? Here's the first one. There are some people who believe in God, but don't know him. They believe in God but don't know Him. If you're taking notes, this is the first category. There's some people who believe in God but don't know Him. I want you to know you can believe in God without knowing Him. Some people don't realize that. They don't have a picture for that. But here's the thing. The Bible says that even the demons believe in God and they shudder. They believe in Him but they don't know Him clearly because they don't have a relationship with Him. This would be somebody that's like a cultural Christian, right? Like I go to church I do kind of religious things. I'm a cultural Christian. I say I'm a Christian. I, I do the spiritual things. Like, I'm here on a Wednesday night. Of course I'm a Christian, because that's what Christian people do, right? I go to church. I say the right things. But here's the thing. When you look at their life or when you look at your life, is there evidence of knowing God? Is there evidence of obedience that when you hear what God's word says, you say, yeah, my life is going to align with that. I'm not going to be perfect, but God's working in me, and my life aligns with it. So there's people that say they believe in God, or they even do believe in God, but they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with him. 1 John 2, 3-4 says this, We know that we have come to know God if we keep his commands. Do you want to know how you know If you have a relationship with God, if you have come to know God, it's if you follow what he says. If we know and follow and keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but do not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. If you claim to know Jesus, but you don't do what he says, you are a liar. That's what this says In 1 John, he says, If you claim it but don't do it, you are a liar. And again, some of this stuff is harsh. It sounds really harsh, but here's the thing. I just want to be honest with you guys tonight. Because I'm afraid that some of you are in this category. I'm afraid that probably many of you actually are in this category. You say, I know God, but there's no fruit no obedience. You're not doing everything you can and saying, God, help me today to align with you. There's no obedience to what he says. There's no, when you sin, there's no remorse. There's no conviction. There's no like, man, I can't believe I did that. God, I'm so sorry. You're just going on living life your own way, doing your own thing. And the Bible says that if you say you believe in God, but you live in that way, you walk your own direction, then you're lying to yourself you call yourself a Christian, but you don't live like it, then it says you're a liar. Not what I'm saying. It's what God's Word says. Now, I want you to know something. This is really important. I need everybody in the room right now to understand this. What I'm not saying, and what we will never say in this room, is that in some form or fashion that you get the favor of God by doing good things. That you get the favor of God. That God, you know, if, if you do something wrong, God is like, oh man, you're a liar. I hate you. And if you do something good, He's like, all right, you're better. You're better. All right, keep doing good things. Keep doing good things. Come on. And you get the favor of God. That is not true. That is not the case. That's not how it works. God's love for you does not change when you mess up. But here's the thing the question is not God's love for you, it's whether you are in relationship with God or not. And that's the big question for tonight. So when you look at your life, are you in this category? Because here's the thing, and this is the scary part, and this is why I've got to be honest. This is why I'm honestly scared that too many people fall into this category. Jesus was speaking, Matthew chapter 7. He says this. Everybody listen. I need you to listen very carefully. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles they're saying lord didn't we do all these things we i went to church god i went to church I went on this mission trip, I went overseas, I did the local mission trip, I went to beach retreat, Lord, I got baptized at beach retreat, I sat on the beach, sweating my brains out, reading the silent sounds on the beach, God, I did all those things, Lord, didn't we do all those things in your name, and here's how he responds, then I will tell them plainly, Jesus is speaking, he said, all these people will say, we did all these things in your name. And he says, and I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. This is what I'm afraid of for a lot of people in this room. There's a lot of people who would say, I did all these things. And you're going to think that I called myself a Christian, tried to even do, go to church and do the spiritual things that I was supposed to do. And when you get to the end, you're going to say, I did all that. And he's going to say, I never knew you. They believe in God, but they don't know him. Someone said that you can miss heaven by 18 inches. Because if you only have it here, but it's never made it to here, it changes everything. You have all the knowledge in your head, but it's never transformed your heart. Then guess what? You missed it all. And that's true of us. We miss it all, guys. Some people actually believe in God, but don't know Him. That's the first category. Maybe you're in that category tonight. The second is this, believe in God and know him, but don't know him well. Some of you in this room, you actually believe in God, you actually know God, but you don't know him well. Think about a time that I met uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit, I had a chance to meet the first lady uh, it was actually Laura Bush. George Bush was the president at the time. And I had a chance to meet her. We were serving uh, some people from New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina after it hit and um, had a chance just to serve food alongside her and and, uh, and be a part of some of that stuff. And got to shake her hand, talk with her for just a second. Um, and so, you know, technically, I knew her, right? And then she came over to my house and we took some... No, I'm just kidding. She didn't come over to my house. Uh, that's not how it worked. But Here's the thing, I can say, you know, I've I met her. I had an encounter with her. I got to shake her hand like I had a moment where she looked at me and said words to me, and I looked at her and said words to her, and we, we had a conversation. We talked. So I know her, right? And you'd say, no, you don't know her. She probably doesn't even remember you. You're right, she doesn't. So it's possible to know somebody without knowing them well. Some of you have truly experienced God. You believe in God. You kind of somewhat probably know who Jesus is or how he impacts your life. You're informed about Jesus, but you're not really transformed day in and day out in relationship with him. Paul talked to people that fit into this category. He says this, Galatians chapter 4. Formerly, when you did not know God, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God or are rather known are known by God, he said, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? There are so many people that are going back to old behaviors. They say, I know God, I've had an actual legitimate encounter with God, but they're turning back and living the same way that they lived before, that nothing's changed, that their heart's not transformed. It's all causing destruction in their life hurting your testimony and harming your relationship with God I want you to know if you knew him well you wouldn't be perfect you're never going to be perfect but you'd be in process you're never going to be perfect none of you in this room none of us in this room we're ever going to be perfect on this side of heaven but we can be in process we can be in the process of allowing God to perfect us To make us more and more like him. Not that we're ever going to obtain perfection, but we're going to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. The big word in the Bible is a word, sanctification, or being sanctified. It means you're growing. It means you're changing. It means you're becoming more and more and more like Jesus day in and day out. There are so many people who believe in God. They know him, but they don't know him well. Is that you? The last one? And I hope this is the one that every one of you are aiming for. I hope all of you are aiming for this one. People who, there are some people in this room who believe in God. You know him intimately and you serve him wholeheartedly. Now, I want I to classify this for just a second because I think there's some of you who might say, yeah, that's totally me. But I want to classify this. You would be the people that would say, you know what? I know what it means to be led by the Spirit. I know what it means to be tempted and to be moving the wrong direction. And conviction sets in. I can hear the Holy Spirit saying to my heart, yelling to my heart, don't go that way. It's empty if you go that way. Don't go that way. I have something better for you. And I know what it means to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to turn quickly and say, you know what? I'm not going to go that way. God, I know you, and I know that that's empty, and I know that with you is fulfillment. And I'm going with you. There's some of you who know what that's like. There's some of you who know what it's like to start your day, to get on your knees and say, God, I want to give you my heart and my life again today. I give you all of who I am for your glory. I want to live for you today. There's some of you who you see the hand of God daily. There's some of you who you've experienced and you said, I don't even understand how this works, but before I wasn't even thinking about people and all of a sudden like I'm thinking about people. I didn't really care about certain things, but now I'm praying for people that that I have never prayed for before. I'm starting to see people for who they are, and I see people as valuable. And all those people that were on their own and off to the side, I never really cared about them. And all of a sudden, I care about them. And you see God's hand in your life. You see that you're actively working, that you're actively walking with God, and He's actively working in your life. You're aware of of His presence everywhere you go. You know that you're on a team, you're a part of a crew, you're a part of a squad, you've got friends for a reason, and that reason is to help those people come to know Him. And you say, I'm living intimately with God, I'm serving Him wholeheartedly, and like I said, I'm trying to define this for you, because for some of you, you would have said yes, but as I say these things, you're like, I don't feel that way. I don't have that conviction. I don't know what it's like to turn away from my sin and feel that that sensitivity, the Holy Spirit. I've never had a moment where God said, I need you to say this to that person because they need to hear it. I've never walked that closely with him. I hope that this would be your aim, that you would believe, not, not just believe in God, but that you would know him intimately and you would serve him and pursue him wholeheartedly that you would wake up in the morning and say, God, I need you today. It doesn't mean you have to get down on your knees for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, and say, God, you know, I just cry out to my heart. You know, you don't have to do that. You can do that, and that's a great thing if you get to that point. Awesome, amazing, great for you, but it means you wake up in the morning, you start your day and say, God, I need you today. I give you my life today. If that's all you say to start your day, there are so many of you in this room right now that if you woke up tomorrow and just did that, that would take you further in your relationship with God than you've ever gone before. God, I need you today. And then you live the day in that way and say, God, show me. If there's somebody I need to see in my school today that I have been missing, help me to see them and just say an encouraging word. Help me to be a light in my school. God, help me not to fall into temptation. God, I want to honor you with my life so the words that come out of my mouth, God, help them be words that honor you. And God, if you show me something I need to say, help me to say it. God, if I'm starting to move the wrong direction, show me conviction so I can't go that direction. So I say, you know what, I feel the conviction of God in my heart so I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to put that in my body, put that in my mind, put that in my brain, as we talked about in our last series. If you would just start this way, it would change your life. So which category are you in? Psalm 63, David describes this He says this, he says, you God are my God. Not just God, you God are God. He says, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. In other words, I have personally experienced you. I'm not just hearing about you. I'm not just believing in you here. I'm seeing you in my heart and in my life. It says, I have seen you and beheld you. I didn't just hear about it, I've experienced it. Because of your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Worship becomes an overflow, it's just the way we live. Guys, none of us in this room get it right all the time. But before you put yourself into this category, I want you to ask yourself, is this true of me? And if you're not in this category, do you want to be? Would you say, yeah, that's the desire of my heart. To To be somebody who doesn't just believe in God, but I know Him, I have a relationship with Him, I have an intimacy with Him. I'm trying to grow to know Him more. I'm trying to become more and more like Him, to push forward in my relationship with Him day in and day out. To walk in the Spirit, to even understand what that means, to walk in the Spirit. That's my goal, that's my desire, and I'm starting my day each day like that, because if you're not in this category, you can be, and it can start tonight. What you call God says a lot about your relationship with Him. When you talk about God with your friends, when you're saying things to your friends, do you call Him the man upstairs, Do you call Him, you know, the big man, do you call Him the man up in heaven, Do you call Him, you know, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. I mean, what, what do you call Him? When you look at Scripture, when Jesus said, when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he said, this is how you pray, and he said, Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. He calls him Father. How do you know him? How do you know him? If you're praying right now, if you prayed, how would you address him? Would you say, God, in this distant, disconnected way, Would you say, God, in this way of honor and respect? Would you say, Heavenly Father? And think of a Father who loves you and has poured out His love on you. What kind of terms would you use? And when you use those terms, what do they actually mean? There's people in my life that call me Daddy. It's because of a relationship I have with them, not just a relationship because I got my wife pregnant and she had children. It's a personal relationship that I have with my kids, not just their father, I'm their daddy. I have a wife that I have a relationship with, not just by, because we stood and exchanged rings and did something like that. It's because day in and day out, I wanna love my wife well. I get it wrong plenty of times, but I have a relationship, an intimate, close relationship. As you get to know Him, you're going to see that your heart starts to break for things that's never broken for before. You begin to be generous. You begin to think about people, like I said, that you never have thought about before. You begin to care for, you see poor people and all of us, you know, if you're ever sitting in a car and somebody's walking and they're holding a sign, too many people just sit there and look straight forward. If you're sitting in the back seat, you don't want to look at them because you might, you might feel weird if you look at them or they might expect something, but all of a sudden you're starting to look at people and you're starting to care for them. You might say, you know what, I can't, I don't feel like I can hand them something right now, but God, will you help that person? And God, if you want me to do something right now, I'll do it. But God, I care about this person. I actually want to know their name. You start caring about people. You're quick to share your faith, quick to talk about things of God. You want to spend time in God's word. You don't just think about it and think it's a great idea, but you say, you know what? I'm making sure I spend time in God's word because I know how valuable it is. That's my source of daily life and encouragement. That's the direction. That's the playbook. I can't live life without a playbook. And God, if, if I'm supposed to be walking in obedience to you, I want to know what you actually say. And so, God, I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time with you. And you have a desire to worship and pray. Now, here's the thing. Some of you think that this is impossible. But the Bible says that if you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. He's not playing hide and seek. It says if you would seek God, you'll find him. A prayer for you is found in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe, my prayer for you is that not your mind would be opened, but that your heart would be opened and enlightened. Because I don't want you to miss it by 18 inches. I don't want you to think you have a relationship with God just because you believe in him here. I want you to know because he's transformed your heart and your life. Will you do me a favor and bow your heads for just a minute?